This is Liv Peterson from Entrenuity. Thanks for joining us today on the Moxie Podcast, where we bring you content to help you move your business forward by capturing the thoughts and techniques from entrepreneurs and business people doing real business with integrity and excellence. Today, we're bringing you Renita Alexander. As a retired Air Force Colonel, Renita brings over 40 years of inspirational and transformational leadership experience to her clients. Renita founded Leadership Unlocked, a full-service leadership development company to help leaders unleash their most effective, influential, and powerful selves. Today, in this episode, Renita will be speaking on leadership equilibrium, what it is and how it affects leaders in their everyday lives. Take a listen and hope you enjoy the Moxie podcast. Welcome to Leadership Equilibrium. So this is a course to help you lead you in a way that's going to allow you to achieve balance in your life because, you know, we all need a little less stress and a little bit more balance. So each of us is a leader, Mariah. (laughs) Even if you're just leading yourself, which I always say is the most difficult leadership job, right? But to lead others effectively, you got to lead yourself first. So this is a course about that. We're going to spend a little time this morning in discovery, uh, discussing the what, why, and who of who we are and our purpose for being here because we each, each of us has a purpose for being in this world. And then we're going to spend a little time on the practical how. How do you create a life flow, a schedule that is going to allow you to be who you are. I want to uh, start with, uh, and that is to talk about our intent. So our intent for being here today. Um, So we are co-creating every experience we have. uh, And I want us to practice right from the beginning, being intentional and deliberate about the experience that we're trying to create this morning. All right, so some of you have, you know, asked about the, the uh, equilibrium word, you know, what that means. For some of you, it mean, ba- means balance, uh, you know, trying to understand how that fits with leadership. And so um, here's a definition of equilibrium, a state of intellectual or emotional balance. So what prevents you from achieving that in your leadership position? What do you think could prevent you from achieving equilibrium in your leadership or in your leadership of whatever that looks like in your home, in your business, uh, in your company that you work for if you're in corporate America? What could prevent you from doing that? Lack of knowledge, okay. Who else? Time management. So, you know, I always like to say there's an infinite, not infinite, there's a finite amount of time. And so what we do is manage how we feel that. And that's what we're going to talk. That's the practical piece of what we're going to talk uh, talk about today. Anybody else? Fear. Fear. Oh, Ethan, who else? Lack of confidence, and that stems from fear. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before we get to the how of how to create a life flow that is going to get us to who we are supposed to be, who we're called to be, uh, we have to know what that is. And so we're going to spend a little time, Judy, to your point, talking about the, the what and the why and then the who we are. So the what is that thing that we're passionate about, the thing that we get excited about, uh, the thing we love to do, um, the thing that gets us up in the morning. It's the passion and the joy that, you know, that's created in our lives. And we all have something that is our what, you know, something that we dream about, something that we desire to do. 
uh, the thing that ignites us. And it creates, you know, it's uh, dreams and desires are often the fuel for our passion, the thing that lights us up. And passion is the desire you have in your heart that is leading you to your purpose. Your passion can also always or often lead you to your purpose. And so again, our hopes and our dreams are the things that impale us for it. So what is it that you're dreaming about? What is it that you're thinking about? Uh, and they're not only just basic to everyday life, they're essential to our spiritual evolution as well. Your dreams and desires fuel your passion, ignite you, and if you're not already, think about that thing that you're passionate about. You probably, you know, when we started talking about it, you started thinking about it. Uh, your why is that thing that you are passionate about because passion by itself is not sustainable. The passion will flame out. So you need something to be passionate about, a cause, a problem, an issue in the world that keeps, keeps you up at night. It's the problem that leads you to cry, you know, maybe or you get anxious about, you're watching the news and you see something and it's like, oh my God, this is something that I can apply my what to. This is the why I can apply my what to. Maybe it, sometimes it's a result of something that you're experiencing, something that's happened to you or, or somebody close to you. Uh, I have a friend of mine who was sexually assaulted and then, you know, got involved in that work. I think of the, um, the lady who created, um, um, mad mothers against drunk driving lost her teenage daughter to a drunk driver. So, you know, sometimes it's the things that happen to us or something, uh, that someone that was close to us. Here's the thing though, about the why it's always something other than you or something bigger than you. And so when you think about the why, you know, it is outside of yourself. That's why we're here. We're all compelled or impelled to do something that is other than us, right? The things that you go through, the things that you experience aren't there just to, you know, create problems for you. They're really there so you can share and share with someone else how you got through, how you got through it, what you did to get you through the issue. That's your why. Uh, part of the reason you see a problem as a problem is because of the things that you hold dear to your heart. So your principles, your priorities, uh, your values. Um, so again, our values influence how we go about doing things in this world. So I want to ask you right now to think about what the world will look like after you have applied your passion for something and fix the problem that you've encountered. So what does your world look like after you've done that? So you have something that you're passionate about, a cause that you wanna you know, fix in the world. What does your world look like when you've applied your passion to your cause? What's better about the world? What's changed about the world? What's changed about you? The third part of what we're gonna talk about is the who piece. And so your who is what allows you to accomplish what you're here to do, accomplish your pur purpose. There's a Bible verse, Ephesians, this is my favorite uh, book in the Bible. Uh, so this is Ephesians 3.20, the message version. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us 
his spirit deeply and gently within us. And so he's creating stuff for us, our capacity for us to do what he's called us to do. But it resonated so powerfully with me. I wrote a blog about it. I was like, I do a reflections with Renita and I, and I use that as one of the quotes. And so I want to break it down just for a second. So it said, he said capacity. So let me just read it again. You're not given a dream unless you have the capacity to fulfill it. Capacity is simply the power of the ability to do something. It's raw, undiscovered, unrefined talent, right? And we all have some capacity to do something. You know, we all have some capacity. And so what this is saying is you wouldn't even have the dream that you're having that's leading you to be passionate about something unless you had the raw talent to fulfill it. You wouldn't even be having that dream unless you could actually fulfill it. Now, again, it could be that raw, maybe you have to you know, get some training. Maybe there's some experience that you have to get to turn that talent into something that you can work with, but you already have it. You have the talent to fulfill your purpose. That's what that meant to me. It doesn't that relieve some of the pressure? Isn't that kind of freeing just to know you already have within you the capacity to do what you've been called to do? I thought it was freeing. So who you are includes your gifts, your talents, your strengths, your skills, your personality is a part of, uh, of who you are, who you are to serve what you're called to do. So all of those gifts become a part of what you bring to the table to achieve your mission. Why is that important? Why is it important to kind of know what you're good at? You could spend hours pursuing something that you're not really good at. Um, and in fact, what happens in the workplace, uh, according to Gallup, who's the big dog and kind of, you know, American workspace, is that 70% of people who are in the workplace uh, space are actively disengaged from what they're doing. You know, a lot of it is because they're not doing things that they were good at or things that they're called to do. 20% of that 70% are actively involved in sabotaging the business, right? So if you're, you know, one of those, you know, employers and you've got somebody that is actively engaged in sabotaging your business, things are going to go very well. Or maybe you've had some coworkers that were like, you know, just disgruntled. Well, a lot of times it is because, you know, that's one of the factors. They're doing something that they don't enjoy doing. Maybe there's a manager that is not encouraging them to operate in their gifts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's good to know uh, what you're supposed to be doing. How did you discover your gift, your, you know, your talent? Who, you know, did somebody tell you? How did you go about that discovery, uh, discovering what you were good at? Experience. Experience? Okay. When you were growing up, did somebody tell you, you know, hey, you were really, you know, good at this particular thing? Favorable results. Oh, favorable results. Okay, that comes from experience. Okay. So you did something and you got some good results from it. So I was like, oh, okay, let's go get a good Anybody else? Confidence. Confidence. Okay. All right. So confidence that you could do it and then that. I guess when you do it. You felt confident. Okay, okay, awesome. Okay, that's that's a great one. Anybody else? Yes, Meredith. Taking risks. Taking risks, okay, all right. Taking risks, well, how did that um, ex expand? That Did that expand what you thought you were good at by doing something that maybe you hadn't done and, and that you weren't comfortable doing and then you discovered that you're good at that? There are some things that we're good at and some things that we're not. 
okay? And it's really good to know that to, the, to Meredith's point so we don't spend a lot of time doing the things that we're not good at. But, but sometimes, especially in an entrepreneur space, you have to do some things that you're not particularly good at that you don't you know, like, and it's good to know what those are. So at the intersection, uh, let me get a red pen. At the intersection of what, why, and who, I make this red, is your sweet spot. All right, this is, this is the place where you're bringing everything to bear, where you can be the most efficient, most effective, most productive you. So if it's a place where you feel in control, at ease, uh, where you feel like you're progressing towards your highest purpose. Really, it's just that intersection of what you're passionate about, your cause, why you're passionate, something to be uh, passionate about, and then who you are. So that's, that's that sweet spot. So here's the thing, we each have a God-given assignment, a purpose for being here, if we choose to accept it. So the thing about uh, us is that we get infinite choices as to whether or not to accept that mission. I believe that, uh, but the choice is always our, ours. The thing about when, we when we're operating in God's assignment for our lives and God's purpose, once we accept it, there's a flow. Once we say yes, there's a flow. But our obstacles come in place before we accept it in the form of lack of confidence, fear, uh, and so our resistance to what it is that we're supposed to be doing. I call these the breaks. <laughs> but this is the beliefs, the reality, the assumptions, the killer, the expectations uh, that get in our way. So I'm going to just spend a minute uh, just describing each of those. So the beliefs is something uh, that you believe about yourself that may or may not be true uh, uh, or yourself or the world that limit you in some way. So it's negative beliefs that you have. Realities uh, are, it's really just our interpretation of what we're perceiving, right? It's just what we've seen before, perhaps, you know, what our experiences are, experience that we experienced even as children that we've carried with us that impact how we see the world. We call it our reality, but it's really just our perception. Assumptions are, you know, the belief that because something occurred in the past, it's going to happen in the same way again. That's an assumption. It may not. Uh, killers. You know, I had to figure out something to get that K in, but killer is the assassination of your dream. So it's like that, you know, that game you play where something pops, pops up, you know, go to the fair and you, and you hit it. That's, that's the killer. And uh, often it comes, it starts from an external voice. So somebody telling us we can't, we don't, we aren't. Um, and then we internalize that. So, and, and, it, and it kills the dreams that we have before they even get to come to fruition. Expectations is wanting things to happen in a certain way. So it's our expectations are our greatest source of frustration because it keeps us from perhaps seeing the, uh, the fulfillment of what we want because it doesn't look the way we thought it should look. And then the S, the systems are the operating, it all, all of the beliefs, everything I just talked about, the beliefs, the interpretations, what we call reality, the assumptions, all uh, come together to impact our worldview, how we behave, how we interact with the world. Uh, and it's, 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 it's our behavior. It's what we call the, the, what I call the system. So that, yeah, but how much of what I just described is external? 
killer, but we've internalized. It's that voice that we've internalized because really, you know, somebody can say whatever. They can't really stop you from doing what you want to do. The most part, you know, once we become an adult, nobody can stop us from doing what we're doing. So it's something that we've internalized, right? All of it's internal, right? All of those things that are stopping us are internal. It's like blinders, you know, limiting what we can see. But as we have already discussed, our capacity is limitless, right? Our capacity is limitless. So we've got to take the blinders off so we can do what we're supposed to do and be who we're supposed to be. David Allen, who is the author of Getting Things Done, which is one of the books I brought with me, and then also it's one of the books I recommend on the last page that talks about sources or resources, says that most of the stress people experience comes from inappropriately managed commitments they make or accept. Everything you do should be an expression of your purpose. If an activity doesn't fit, you shouldn't be doing it. Knowing your purpose creates that laser focus that allows you to concentrate all of your energy and your efforts on the things that you say are important, the things that you are supposed to do. But how we're gonna do it. So everybody's like, yay! <laughs> so there's three parts to how. There's the first part is the desire. And I think I have a, that's on my note, note taker also. Yeah, the how. The first part is, is the desire to be disciplined. So you've got to want to be in balance. And that may require a level of discipline that you're, you haven't exercised before. The second piece is the discernment, uh, discernment and the decision piece. So dis, uh, discern what's important and decide what to do about it. And this is this is uh, speaking to my love of alliteration. So you know, y'all excuse me. For that. <laughs> uh, so it's like recognizing when those the activities that are going to help you get to what you uh, want to do, your purpose, and then deciding you know what to do, uh, and and then making making that an immediate decision, not something that you put off. But you know, when something comes to you, making an immediate decision about what to do about it. And then the third is the doing doing the planning, uh, doing the thinking, doing the planning, doing the documentation, and then actually taking action. So we often approach, you know, our workspace uh, with, you know, this is steering us in the face. You know, we come into work and, you know, boom, we're just in it. We're in it. And then we just start grinding it out. We're grinding it out without really thinking about how this is getting us to what we're supposed to be doing. And so we've done some planning and some thinking about it before, then when we get to our workspace and we encounter our workspace, then we can be more deliberate and intentional about how we approach that. And so we want to be as deliberate and intentional. We've been practicing that all day. So, so now that we've thought about it, I know everybody didn't get a chance to write it down, but now that you've thought about you know, uh, you know, what your purpose is, we have to intentionally and deliberately plan that journey. Uh, now, I believe that those who fail to plan uh, plan to fail. So that's an, I don't know who said that, it's a quote, but <laughs> it's, it's one of the things I believe. So we're going to start with the plan, so we're going to start with the doing and then work our way back up to the de desire and discipline, okay? Planning just really opens you up to think about what it is you need to do. Uh, you know, think of something as simple as a grocery list, right? So the actual thinking, just in thinking about the grocery list, you remember some things. Oh, I need to go get this. You'll probably go and check 
you know, the cabinet, the refrigerator, to see if you need what you think you need. You know, who, how many times, who has ever, uh, you know, planned a, a meal and then, you know, started cooking and realized you didn't have what you needed, right? Don't make that list and then you wander around, you know, you know, the grocery store just looking at the aisles, hoping something will drop it out on you and, and remind you that you need it. Well, you could have thought about it and planned and, and actually done some action. That would have been a lot more efficient and effective, right? So, you know, compare getting a list or creating a list and going versus that's just wandering. You know, it's probably double the time uh, that it's going to take you. So a plot planning also involves some documentation. So what happens when you actually write something down, when you actually write a plan down? Does writing it down kind of help you get clear? You know, that's part of the reason we've been kind of doing, you know, some of the writing, circling, whatever we've been doing, is to help you get some clarity around these things that we're talking about, around your values, around your purpose. Uh, it also releases some memory space. Now, when you get to my age, that is priceless, right? That, and that allows some stress to be reduced, you know. So we're talking about balance, you know, so that allows you to release some stress. Because here's the thing. Have you ever had a thought just as you were about to go to sleep and you couldn't go to sleep because you were thinking about that thing? So it reduces some of that... Um, that uh, that that space in your head, uh, you know. Here, and here's another thing, because when we think of something, our mind believes we're supposed to be doing it, right? We're we're supposed to be doing that something that we're thinking about. Think of your mind as kind of like a RAM on your computer, right? So there's limited capacity to hold stuff in, right? Writing it down allows us to release some of that space and then allows more ideas to flow in, right? So if you've gotten rid of it, written it down in a safe space that you know you can come back to, you can let it go. All of that. All of that's just from thinking and writing stuff down. All right, so in any entrepreneurial uh, endeavor or any leadership position, you're usually playing like two roles, especially on the entrepreneur side. You're playing maybe the strategic role where you're doing a lot of planning, and then you're playing the execution role where you're actually doing stuff, right? So what are some of those strategic plans for those of you that are thinking about or into a business? What are some of the things that that constitutes strategy for your endeavor? Uh, I'm one of my uh, one of my things that I'm working on is a book. So I have an outline for how I, I need to do that. That's a strategic plan. Um, once you know your purpose, you can organize things around it. If it's not in your purpose, you should be doing it. So Laura's kind of you know reiterating that. You know, if it's not in this top five, you shouldn't really be working on it. So plans can include your purpose, you know, your mission, the things that you've identified as your values. If you're creating an entrepreneur, if you're uh, creating a um, uh, uh, enterprise. You know, these are all things that are, you know, ground you in who you're trying to be, your values, you know, your principles, your policies, your value proposition, what's unique about your business that you're bringing to, you know, to market, uh, you know, a communication plan, uh, a growth plan. And so, and even if it's just you for right now, the great thing, again, about thinking it through, we've already talked about thinking it through and writing it down, how that brings clarity, how that brings accountability, just doing that process. But if you are, you know, thinking about creating a business, if you, you know, uh, move out of the self-employed solopreneur space, 
and get ready to uh, actually hire some people to be uh, a bona fide business, then this is stuff that you don't have to do. You don't have to create it. You don't have to get it out of your head because it's already out of your head and on paper that you can then share with them. You know, I work for a small business owner and uh, every time I wanted to go try to do something that she'd asked me to do, I had to ask her because there was no documentation around what it is she wanted me to do. And that was just, that was, you know, annoying for everybody, right? And so it's like, write it down. Write it down now. Start getting in that practice now. Um, and so, it cre again, it, it creates that, that uh, accountability, clarification, uh, definition. What and then, you know, I mentioned this journal. When you're thinking your big thoughts about what you want to do, don't censor yourself. All right, so strategic planning is the thinking part. Execution is the doing part. But you also need to think and plan that too, right? Because otherwise, you just go up to the grocery store and you're wandering up and down the aisles. <laughs> actions, the, the execution is really just the actions that you need to accomplish the project. So you don't really do a project, you do the actions uh, around the project that let you know when it's done. And so, uh, the folks at Fizzle, which is another, Fizzle.co is another resource. They're an online company that help, helps entrepreneurs uh, stay on their journey. They say that um, to help, our, uh, to, uh, to, to, to keep that activity list, that to-do list, that execution list, keep it current. So you should be reviewing it uh, weekly, even daily. So, you know, a time at the end of the day after you've created your schedule, which we're going to get to, we're almost there, we're almost in the schedule. Uh, you know, what was on the list that didn't get done that needs to be done the next day? You know, because things happen, right? Uh, then at the end of the week, what, what, how did you do? How did you, how did you get the things that you said you wanted to accomplish, accomplish? And then the other tip they offer is to write your to-do list, your uh, action list imperatively. So, a verb, a noun, and an object. Keep it short. So again, like I used uh, my example, get Allison's email. Also advise that uh, if it's anything that's less than about two minutes, you know, don't put it on there. Just do it. Unless you can't do it right then, you might forget about it. And then anything that is going to take more than two hours, you might want to break up. So a project that's going to take more than two hours, break it up into smaller uh, smaller bits and pieces. Thank you for joining us on the Moxie Podcast. The Moxie Podcast is brought to you by Entrenuity, where we help entrepreneurs turn their ideas into invoices. We at Entrenuity are always happy to hear from you, so please reach out to us if you have any questions or comments at www.entrenuity.com. Until next time, this is your host, Liv Peterson. Know. I know that you can make a change.